is a Woodside Church podcast. Good morning, everyone. So as you know, we're going through a series. It's all in Romans chapter 8, and we've entitled it In Christ Alone. And today we've, we've got the rest of the title being Praying in the Spirit. And so we're going to look at Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27, which are possibly familiar words to you, um, but also possibly confusing words as well, uh, because there seems to be certain things, certain dynamics going on in there that we don't necessarily um, quite see clearly. And hopefully we'll be able to see more clearly what God is saying to us. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The chapter before chapter eight, at the end of it, Paul is saying things like, the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that's what I do. And then he, he seems as though he's going down and down and, and then he says, oh wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? from this body of death. Fortunately, he doesn't stay down. He then comes up and he, and he then says, um, uh, what is it? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He doesn't expand on that. But then he moves into chapter eight, straight away. And then we've got in chapter eight, at the very beginning of it, it's, it says, for there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the starting point that he wants us to start from, a position in Christ where we do not feel condemned, just accept it. And then he goes through the chapter and then comes to the end and says again, who will condemn us? And then finishes by saying, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing at all, nothing on heaven, nothing on earth, nothing in heaven, no powers, no nothing. But in between the first verse of no condemnation and that last verse of nothing will separate us from Christ, We've got the bit in between. 21 times Paul says the word spirit. Now I don't know whether that sounds a lot to you, but to put it in context, in the whole of the rest of Romans, which are another 15 chapters, he only uses the word spirit seven times. And here, he says 21 times about the Spirit of God. I believe what he's saying is, I deliver you from this body of death through the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen. Yes. 
That's what he's saying. In case we missed it. Jesus is not physically here anymore like he was with the disciples. He said, I'm gonna do something with the Holy Spirit working through you. And so let's go back to this verse that we're looking at. It says, likewise the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. And I'd like to focus on the word weaknesses to start off with. What, what's Paul talking about there? Last week, Felix shared brilliantly with us and shared about the, the suffering that we go through and that the people at Paul's time when he was writing were going through. He shared about the groanings, the groanings even of creation itself, but the groanings that mankind has got in the midst of all that's going on. You know, such suffering <clears throat> that we experience like that causes us to feel very, very vulnerable and causes us to feel very weak. The word weakness, it speaks of sickness, it speaks of feebleness, it speaks of frailty. The Greek word, which I won't pronounce it just in case I get it wrong for those Greek spellers or, or speakers. It literally means without strength or ability. Without any strength or ability. It's the idea of being totally unable to produce results. Us men like to use the phrase, it's okay, it's okay, I'll fix it. You know, we come to a point in our lives, we can't fix it anymore. Jesus used the very same word when he said the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. The disciples, they were needing to do something, they didn't do it. And Jesus said the flesh is weak. You know, even as Christians, <clears throat> who have got this amazing privilege to be able to pray, even with prayer, we still find that we can't achieve the desired results. Sometimes we can, many times we can. Sometimes we come to the end of that road, it would seem. We pray for wars to stop, and they don't seem to stop when we're praying. We pray for our loved ones to get well. And we see amazing miracles, but sometimes they don't get well. And we wonder what's going on. You know, Joy and I, we used to live in China. We were there for about 10 years, and then Joy wasn't very well, and she she came back to England and I would continue three or four times a year going into China to continue what we'd been doing there. But then at the end of about seven years of doing that, I realized that joy was not well enough for me to be on the other side of the, the world. 
while she was struggling. And so 2017, that was actually the last time that I went to China and, and, I, and I came back in order to help Joy. So that's about six years ago. And during that time, I've prayed ever such a lot for Joy. But I know that you guys too have prayed with us ever such a lot. The strange thing is that in the midst of it all, actually things seem to get more complicated and sometimes even worse. Sometimes we see things happen, small things. We pray for loved ones to come to know Jesus and we pray and we pray and we pray and maybe they haven't come to Jesus yet. How do we deal with that? What do we keep on, do we keep on just saying the same thing over and over again? Sometimes we carry such heavy disappointments in our lives that we feel as though we're at the end of it and we really, really don't know what to do. Maybe some people can identify. I think people who know disappointment know when they've got it. Other times we ourselves are so sick or so in pain, we can't even pray. We may have the gift of prayer to be able to pray, but we actually can't even do it. Have you ever been in that position? Can't even, I can't, couldn't pray a word. Or sometimes when we're so tired, can't even pray. Or when we're so depressed, stuff is going on in our head and we can't even pray. We find we can't hardly cry out to God. Other times we just feel weak in faith. Remember that man said to Jesus, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Sometimes our faith takes a battering, especially when we don't get answers to prayer. And our faith can go down and down and down to the point where we say, you know what, I don't have any faith anymore for it. You know, I know one pastor in the States, he used to be such an incredibly dynamic guy for the things of the spirit. He's leading four churches out in the States. And you know what, he was praying for sickness for his wife and his family, nothing happened. And so what, you know what? He gave up on healing altogether gave up on the things of the spirit, it would seem in many ways, altogether. And now his four churches are very, very non, those things. But that's after being so full on for God, but he was so disappointed, and his faith went down so much. There was a time when Joy had had ME for a number of years, and I don't know if you've come across ME, but it's a horrible, horrible thing. 
But you know, God gave us faith as we went into that and we believed God to do things and through two times of prayer, Joy was completely healed. First time, 50%. Next time, 50%. Totally, totally healed. So I was full of faith. Six months later, Joy got a flu and she suddenly contracted rheumatoid arthritis, which seemed worse than the ME. And it was like being in a boxing match and I had just been hit in the stomach by the devil. And all my faith for healing just expelled. And you know what, I just thought, I'm flawed. That was 25 years ago. And during that time I've been trying to build up and seek to build up a faith to believe for healing with this new disease. I'm talking about myself there, but does any of this sound familiar to people out there or am I the only one? And if you know, it doesn't sound familiar, it will do at some stage in your life. So I want us to go back to this verse again. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. Likewise. Actually, Paul's been talking about the work of the Spirit all the way through chapter eight. And so he starts off and he says, in the same way the Spirit helped you there, like helping you to cry, Abba, Father. In the same way the Spirit helps there, he's gonna help you in these weaknesses, these desperate positions that we just described, which sound a bit gloomy. But there's good news. He's gonna help you in it. Remember, as I said, Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit. He said, when I go to the Father, I'm going to send a comforter, send a helper. And this is what the verse says in John chapter 14, and I will pray the Father. Isn't it amazing how Jesus works together with the Father? but then he works together with the Holy Spirit because he says, and he will give you another helper. I've been here helping you. He's gonna give you another one that he might abide with you forever. It's never gonna take away. He's gonna come in, never gonna go. He's called the Spirit of Truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he will dwell with you and be in you. That was Jesus' promise. And in there, we, we, we're familiar with that verse, the word helper, it, it's, it's the Greek word parakletos, isn't it? Which, and it means to draw alongside somebody so you've now got the person in their weakness, but alongside 
you've got the Holy Spirit. Even we understand he's in, inside us. But he's, he's that close to us. We're still in the picture. He doesn't come in and push us out the way and say, I'll deal with this. He comes alongside us. And we get even more understanding of this when we look in back to, um, <clears throat> back to Romans 8. And we look at the word there for helps, which is not parakletos, it's another word. And I don't know if it's there. Yeah, sunantilambanomai, which we all knew anyway. <laughs> but I've broken it down into the composite parts that make it up. The first one is sun, S-U-N. And this is the key part. It means together with. And then anti, and it's similar to the way we use the word anti, means against. Together with us, against, Lambano to take hold of. What are, the, what are the challenges, what are the problems, what are the sicknesses, what are the, the struggles and, and everything which we are dealing with which make us so weak? The Holy Spirit will together with us take a hold of this situation and fight against it. It's no longer little old us. We are joined together with somebody so much greater and so much stronger. A, there's a lovely verse that we, we know, I haven't got the slide, but it's Zachariah, and, but many of us know it. It says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. The, the word for might is, is basically like the might of a big army or, or great, great wealth. You know, people talked about the, the, going back probably a little bit now, the might of Germany and the, 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 the might of their industrial ability and the might of their army when they came to invade us um, in the Second World War. And even the might of their efficiency, this efficient machine, all of that is tied up in the word might. The word power not by might nor by power. It's not necessarily so much might, but it's the ability to stand firm and, and push and, and do it. Almost you can think of Goliath had the might and, and David, he had, he had some power. He, he'd, he'd done some things. He, he was going for it. But you know what? It's neither of those that make the difference to our situation, it's the spirit. Maybe we use a little bit of the might, maybe we use a little bit of the power, but the thing that makes the difference is the Holy Spirit. Because it actually goes on and it says, with my spirit the mountain will be moved. We can't move a mountain, God can.
Only God can move mountains. That's why Jesus uses words like mountain. Because it's like, can't do it. You know, how can you move a mountain? Only God can move a mountain. So what I believe is being said in this part of the verse is that when we are weak, the Holy Spirit will draw alongside us and he will work together with us, emphasis on that together with us, to move through this problem and this situation. That's what I believe God's saying in that first part of the verse. And then we move on to the second part and it says, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Even though we've got the benefit of prayer, Paul is saying the reason we're feeling weak is because we don't know what we should pray for. We've run out of things to pray for. You know, lots of things, many situations, we know what to pray for. The, the Bible tells us lots of truth which makes it very clear what's right, what's wrong, and we know what we can pray for. And if we know our Bible, and I recommend that if you feel like you don't know it well enough, you get to know it better, that then you will know that what God gives us and what God gives us to be able to pray for in faith and see happen. But there are times, as we've talked about, where that's not so clear. When we've prayed everything we know and still nothing seems to be happening. Maybe we've got it wrong, we think. Maybe I just don't understand. But the last part of that verse, we should pray as we ought. You see, we, in the midst of all of our confusion, what Paul is saying is, we need to pray. The word ought, this is a short Greek word, I'll give you. It's dei, D-E-I, dei. It's a legal term. It's like you're writing up a contract and you say, you should do this, and when you do this, this will happen. Yeah, full stop, signed. That's a contract. That's where it's used. What Paul is saying, if you want things to happen, you ought, you should, this is, a, this is a compulsion on you to pray. It was used in Luke chapter 13 where Jesus said, so ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham whose Satan has bound, think of it, 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath, ought not, She's a daughter of Abraham. Look, who she, look whose family she's in. Of course she should be released from this bondage. And then Jesus goes on and he, he speaks a parable to his disciples and it's a parable that, that basically shows a picture that men ought always 
to pray and not lose heart. I think that's talking about women as well, but maybe it's particularly focused on the men. I think men are not such good prayers, speaking personally. We would rather get our sleeves rolled up and just get and fix it and leave the praying to somebody else. But men's, God's saying and Jesus was saying, men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Lose heart means just to suddenly become, ah, got nothing left. So God is encouraging us, don't give up. And I'm reminded of, of the wonderful picture that I just want to leave us of, 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 of um, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He goes back and he prays. We remember he prays three times, doesn't he? Three times and then, a, and, his, and his sweat is like blood in his anguish. And then eventually he comes to an answer with the Father. Not your will, but my will be done. That's what Jesus did. This is Jesus that we follow. But then we look at what happened with the disciples. Jesus came and I think he spoke to them three times. He says, pray with me, watch with me. And he comes back at the end and they're asleep. You see, they became so tired, they became so weak, they stopped watching. They stopped praying. And I believe the Holy Spirit would be saying to us, don't stop. Whatever situation you're in, don't stop your praying. And then it goes on, but, I love the buts. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. When God says but, we listen to it. When the Holy Spirit says but, we listen to it because he is God. He makes intercession for us just as Jesus does. In these verses that hopefully We'll see there, it it talks about Jesus, I won't read them out, but Jesus making intercession for us, just like a high priest, he ever lives to make intercession for us. He's making intercession always for us because of our sin, he's interceding for our salvation. That's what Jesus is doing all the time. But here we have a picture of the Spirit himself interceding for us also. Interceding means to pray on our behalf, to appeal on our behalf. And it says that he, he intercedes with groanings which cannot be uttered. And so that's a strange one. Is the Holy Spirit groaning? We talked about earlier the creation groaning, mankind growing. Here it seems that the Spirit joins in, groaning with us. Remember, he lives inside us. He feels what you and I feel. I believe, however God does it, he groans within us, himself. We talk about empathy, sympathy, whatever it might be, 
but he groans within himself. But because we're in this together, I believe what happens is that he groans through us. Through us. And we are the ones that are heard to groan. Because I've never heard the Holy Spirit groaning, have you? But I've heard people groan. I was once at a, a, a conference a vineyard conference and I think for one or two hours there was this guy, he just groaned. I'd never come across it before, didn't know how to handle it, didn't know how to pray for him. He just literally for like two hours, he's crashed out and he is loudly groaning. Sometimes we do that. Other times it's not quite like that, but we're groaning. Other times it's the deepest, deepest of sighs. Have you ever come to that point? Only we understand that sigh. Other people might observe, what, what, something's going on there. It says groans which cannot be uttered. What does, why does it use those words? That what it actually means, cannot be uttered, <clears throat> is not that there's no sound, but it means that there is no clear, intelligible utterance. That's what that means. No clear, intelligible utterance. And, and it's from here that actually, I'm gonna say for the first time, this is what the talk is about, praying in the spirit. That's what we're talking about. This is where there is sometimes no clear, intelligible sounds. You know, I've, I've read numerous people who say that this passage is not talking about speaking in tongues. And you know, there are many people who don't speak in tongues, and I do believe that they can still groan before God. We can all groan before God. Just like the Israelites when they were in Egypt, for 400 years, they groaned. And it says, the Bible says, God heard their groanings. And that's why he sent Moses to deliver them. But for those of us who have received the gift <clears throat> of speaking in tongues, <clears throat> I firmly believe that our application many, many times for this scripture is that we groan as we speak in tongues. Because what we are doing is we are speaking in words typically which we or nobody else <clears throat> understands. Sometimes when we speak in tongues as they did at Pentecost, people understood them. They were speaking in a, a language that somebody else understood, actually a true earthly language. But Paul talks about we speak in the language of men and of angels. And Paul speaks in, in I've put a few passages up there, three passages. Uh, the first one was the, the Acts one. In, in 1 Corinthians 14, um, we speak not to men but to God when we speak in tongues. And verse 
And chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, verse 14, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. I, I don't know what, what I'm praying, but the Holy Spirit does, and God does. I just very, oh dear me, the time has gone. <laughs> Can I just share, my, I, I just wanted to share very quickly my own, sorry, we're gonna go over time here, aren't we? Um, my own testimony of tongues, you know, for 20 years, I, I didn't know much about the things of the Spirit. I became a Christian when I was 15. And for 20 years, certainly didn't speak in tongues. My pastor, I never heard him speak in tongues. In the organization that we were involved with, they never talked about it. But it came to a point after about 20 years, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm just getting hungry. And I remember one time I, I asked this lady to pray for me and she prayed for me and you know, it's, it seemed like nothing happened. So sometimes we get disappointed. Uh, but you know, I was at this, this Bible week and I'm walking back from the main meeting, had to go back to where the kids were and it was dark and all of a sudden, two words, Abarash, suddenly just came into my mind and I, I just found myself saying it. I thought, whoa, what's that? That's not English. I was thinking about something completely different and I thought, oh, has God just started me off with two words, you know, like a little baby, Baba or Daddy, Mama. Mine was Abarash. I didn't know what it meant. But you know, I kept on starting to use this and use it. And for I don't know how long, I just had two words. <laughs> last, seemed to last for eternity. But then eventually, it, it seemed as though it went to three or four words. And I found it getting mixed up with something else. And then it seemed to get a little bit bigger, but then I, then I started to have doubts and I used to start to think, this is crazy, am I just making this up? And then, then eventually, I started to realize I wasn't making it up. Something was happening, God was doing something through me which was not of my volition at all. And uh, yeah, so it, it was for real. It's been such a glorious gift that God has given me. I love to use it, especially when I don't know what to pray. Amen. And you know, sometimes when I do speak in tongues, God actually tells me what to pray. Sometimes he brings a scripture to my mind. Sometimes he leads me in something. But it's like a gateway to all of that understanding. But I started off without any understanding. I just want, sorry, I, we're not really, um, can we just put up the, the next phrase, the, the, the next big part? Yeah, I, I wanna finish now, I'll pretty much finish now. Because <laughs> this is what it's leading to, because we need to see this thing in context. When we go through this, now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. 
What this is saying is God looks on our heart. When we're groaning, we don't have the words, but we've got a heart, and God sees our heart. It says the Father knows the mind of the Spirit. They work like that together. He knows what the Spirit is thinking and interceding for us. But then it says the outcome, the will of God. And we suddenly realize that this is what it's all about. That when we are praying in our groans or praying in tongues, the goal in our lack of understanding is the will of God. And then the very last verse, which is gonna be Tim Green's verse next, next week, um, which we all know, for, for we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, but this is the key part, to them who are the called according to his purpose. As we, in our confusion, join together with the Holy Spirit who intercedes through us to God with words that we do not understand. What is being formed either immediately or somewhere down the future is God's purposes for you and me and those people that we are praying for. We do not know them. We do not know those purposes, otherwise we'd be praying for those things. God knows them. And when we engage with God in this whole process, through you and through me, God will fulfill our purposes for being here on earth. And he will fulfill his purposes for having joined us together with what he is trying to do here on earth. And so that's my encouragement for us all, that however we do it, we would not stop praying and we would join together with the Holy Spirit and we would allow him to intercede through us in order to fulfill God's wonderful, good purposes through us. Amen. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.